Coming up, I'll offer a sneak preview of Police State on the movie's opening day in theaters. Former Air Marshal Sonia Labosco joins me. She's featured in the film. She'll reveal a startling piece of new information about January 6th. I'll also explore whether the $200,000 direct payment to Joe Biden is a big deal, and I'll consider the split in the GOP as revealed by the House Speaker impasse. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. America needs this voice. The times are crazy in a time of confusion, division, and lies. We need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. It's opening day for Police State. And I got to say, I'm, uh, well, I don't know if excited about this movie is quite the right phrase because it is a movie with very alarming content alarming content that matches uh, the alarming content that's going on in the country. I've said in a couple of interviews that this is not a frightening movie because of the techniques of cinematography. It's a frightening movie because America is reaching a, fi- a frightening place. The movie couldn't be more timely. We conceived it many months ago. It's obviously a process of putting it all together. It has new information on so many different fronts, new information about Trump, new information about January 6th. In fact, a whole new way of looking at January 6th. All kinds of ordinary people that you don't know or you maybe know of, but you don't know the details uh, who have come face to face with the police state, felt the hot breath of the police state on their face. And even the things happening right around us all tie into the movie, even though they clearly came after the movie was finished. You know, here's this young fellow, Mackie, Doug Mackie, who is going to prison for seven months uh, for making a meme, a satirical meme about Hillary Clinton. This guy is mentioned in the movie. Uh, Joe Biden, we find out today, and I'll talk about this, gets a $200,000 and by, by check from his brother, James Biden. It says loan repayment in the, but the loan repayment thing is a scam. It's a, there's no original loan, at least none that we know of. So Biden corruption, that's in the movie. Uh, the FBI told Newsweek that they are, they have created a MAGA target ca- category. They're actually targeting Trump supporters. This stuff is in the movie. The intelligence failure uh, that led to the Hamas attacks, not just the Israeli intelligence failure, but the U.S. intelligence failure. Well, what's the cause of the intelligence failure, if not, that our intelligence agencies are looking elsewhere? That's in the movie. The gag order on Trump attempting to immobilize him. He cannot attack the judge. He cannot attack the prosecutor. Uh, he can generically say the process is unfair, but he cannot talk about what specific people, not even potential future witnesses. Trump has to anticipate who's the, who those might be. He cannot attack them. So this is, again, an effort to shut down the leading candidate of the Republican Party, as his campaign is getting underway. So all of this is police state territory. Now, our theaters are filling up rapidly. In fact, we can sort of gauge this because we measure against the metric of 2,000 mules, which came out 
well, about a year and a half ago. And we're selling more tickets for police state than we did for 2000 mules. So do not delay. If you can see the movie today, fantastic. There are evening shows all over the country. There are some tickets available. Some theaters are full, but others are not. And then more tickets for Wednesday. That's going to be your last chance uh, to see the movie in the theater. Uh, it'll later be available in other ways as a virtual premiere uh, on Friday, October 27th. So if you can't go to the theater, don't freak out. Just go on the website, policestatefilm.net. Click on the virtual premiere button. You'll see it's out of this magnificent studio in Las Vegas. Uh, we're going to have uh, Forgiato Blow perform his song. Uh, the full screening of the movie, live Q&A with Dan Bongino and me to follow. And that's all for the price of a movie ticket. So you can't make the theater. I totally understand this is the next best way and the next fastest way uh, to see the movie. I've been doing a pretty frenetic movie tour and uh, Debbie and I were in the Miami Palm Beach area we did uh, Dave Rubin's podcast that'll be out today I went to Dallas and did Steven Crowder's podcast that'll be out today I'm going okay. uh, you did the um Ben, um, Debbie says, "I oh yes, of course I did Steve Warbirds. Bannon's War Room uh, as well, and that was that was live. I'm going to be doing Glenn Beck today, so it's kind of a a flurry of getting the word out. And it's very interesting these days. It's not even so much it used to be with earlier films. I'd be like focusing so much on Fox. We'd advertise on Fox. Fox has not even contacted me. Dead silence from Fox. I think probably there's a ban, and this is so weird because the topics of police state are not taboo at Fox, but somehow I got on the taboo list, it seems, from 2000 Mules. Anyway, I don't know, and quite honestly, I don't even care. We're going to make this movie successful, Fox or no Fox, um, and you can be a big part of it. So get your tickets, get your virtual premiere tickets if you want to see it that way. And then don't hesitate to post about the movie. Let people know what you think, your reaction, either make a video and post it or just comment about what you think about the movie and, and do a hashtag where you hashtag either police state or hashtag police state film. And if you do that on Truth uh, Social, if you do that on Getter or if you do that on X, uh, the formerly Twitter, uh, I am quite likely to see it on one of those three platforms if you do the hashtag police state or hashtag policestatefilm.net. See you at the movies. Guys, I'm really happy to welcome to the podcast someone who is featured in the new film Police State. Her name is Sonia Labosco. She's a retired supervisory federal air marshal, and she is also the founder of Air Marshal National Council. The website, Air Marshal NC. Dot com, airmarshalnc.com. Uh, Sonia, thanks for joining me. Um, we're all excited about the film. I think you mentioned to me that there's going to be uh, air marshals across the country going to see the film either today on the opening day or some on Wednesday. That is right, Dinesh, and thank you for having us, and thank you so much for highlighting what's going on within the Federal Air Marshal Program and the continued corruption. But, yes, we've got watch parties tonight. We're going to have watch parties on the 25th all across the nation. We have air marshals in 20 uh, cities across the United States, and everyone's going to be at our watch parties watching this film's release. So we're really excited about it. That is good stuff, Sonia. Now, 
You know, when people think about uh, the police state, they think about the police agencies of government. Typically, they think of the FBI. People say to me, well, Dinesh, you're making a movie about the FBI. And I'm like, well, you know, the FBI is just part of this much wider network. Many people don't realize that the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, is a lot bigger than the FBI. And yet DHS is also involved in censorship. They're also involved in political targeting. Where does the air marshals fit into this larger picture? Well, unfortunately, uh, Dinesh, we're in a small agency called the Transportation Security Administration, which is a small element of DHS. And within TSA, uh, they're an administrative agency, so they have no law enforcement powers. Only the Federal Air Marshal Service, which we're a small little law enforcement group nestled inside this huge bureaucratic agency, we're the only ones that have arrest power. So within DHS lies TSA, then lies the Federal Air Marshal. And as you can see, the, pedal, pedal, the pendulum is swinging politically for all these things that are happening within the Biden administration. Um, Air Marshals have been an Operation Allies Welcome. We've been put on military bases for Afghan refugees. We were made to provide our personal identifiable information given to China for our undercover agents flying to China. We've been taken uh, out of the skies and put to the southwest border, another Biden administrative initiative. And also what we're going to talk about today is regarding the political targeting of Trump supporters by the Federal Air Marshal Service. Now, you say in the film that the what I think people do know, and that is that the air marshal program was ramped up dramatically after 9-11. And of course, the intention was really clear, and that is to follow foreign terrorists or foreign terrorists who had established a domestic base in this country, uh, you know, mainly by using aircraft just the way that they did on 9-11. And yet you saw that in the time around and after January 6th, a very peculiar redeployment of the air marshals. Talk about that. Well, Dinesh, it was something I didn't think I would ever see in my time as a law enforcement officer. I've been doing law enforcement since 1990, and never have we seen this political bias happen. But after January the 6th, the FBI uh, reached out to the TSA, and they asked them for a, a manifest of all passengers that traveled into the National Capital Region from January the 5th to the 7th, 2021. TSA gave that list to the to the FBI, but they also took the same manifest, did not scrub the list, didn't look for any potential people that may have been innocent, and they ingested that list in the, to a TSA national database, basing those people and stating that they are suspected domestic terrorists. So let's be really clear what we're saying. There were obviously people who came to D.C. within that period to go to the Trump rally some of those people, a tiny minority, went into the Capitol and then later became the target of prosecution. But I think what you're saying is that the people who went on this suspect list was anybody who went to Washington, D.C., whether it be a guy going for a business convention, a kid who's, let's say, in a divorce, he's spending the weekend with his dad, he flies in on this on, on January 5th. That kid is not only on the list, but is it the case that you have air marshals following that kid back and forth in future flights? You exactly nailed it, Dinesh. That's exactly right. If you just flew into the region, in the area, you could be there for a funeral, for a job interview. You could be there just on vacation. Uh, you are definitely on this list, and you, not only are you being followed by the air marshals in the airplane, you're being followed from your home to the aircraft, off the aircraft, off the airport property, and to your final destination. You're being followed. 
I didn't realize that the air marshals do that kind of thing. I thought that basically they kind of board the plane with a backpack and they sit down and then when you get off the plane. But you're saying the program is actually more, it makes more sense actually that there would be a, that you would actually monitor people from one point to their full destination. I didn't, I didn't realize that was what was going on. Yes, that's correct, Dinesh. We're writing down tag <laughs> numbers, vehicles that you're in, any identifiable information or anybody that you're traveling with. If you're fl- traveling with a business partner who was not even in D.C. during that time, that person could be flagged as a potential domestic terrorist because now they're flying with you. So this not only hurts the individual person, it hurts their family or anyone that may be traveling with them as well. So, I mean, what do you make of the fact, I mean, just look at the psychology of an air marshal who's a decent guy doing a job, and they now realize I'm following all these guys who went to D.C., regardless of the reason that they went to D.C. There's a certain type of madness, I think, here. Uh, does the air marshal uh, justify that by saying, I just have a job to do, there's not much I can do about it, this is my assignment, I have to carry it out? And And why is... Why would the agency be continuing a program that is so manifestly absurd? Well, the air marshals are quite disgusted, Dinesh. And yes, we have ones that refuse. We have ones that do refuse, and the agency wants to tremendously discipline them. We have other air marshals that just go along because they're like, I can't lose my job. They'll weaponize my clearance against me. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose everything I have. So they just go along with the agency when they're given these missions. And also with the agency, the agency knows this is illegal. Make no mistake, TSA Administrator David Pekoski, he knows that this is not appropriate to be surveilling and spying on innocent Americans who have, by the way, not even broken a traffic law. Most of them have no background, no criminal history. But we're being run by by Francine Kerner. Francine Kerner is a TSA chief counsel. She is a, a Clinton supporter. She's a holdover from Whitewater. She actually faced ethical violations for releasing Whitewater information during the probe outside uh, to outside people that were outside the investigation. So you've got these unelected bureaucrats who are running our, our agency and they're using it for their political motivations. And is there also a financial or bureaucratic objective in the sense that the, the TSA gets to say, hey, we're part of this big campaign against domestic terrorism. Obviously, we expect funding for this to flow our way. Uh, it seems to me that police states very often, it is partly about the ideology, but it's also partly about the money. You better believe it. TSA is one of the greediest agencies <laughs> you'll ever meet. So every one of these cases, whether they're there, when we know they're not factual, they'll get credit in a national database for following a suspect, suspected domestic terrorist. So guess what that means? That means they pump up the metrics when they get to Congress. They'll get billions and billions of dollars to try to showcase how well this program's worked and how many people they followed. But at the end of the day, you will see the results are zero. They've come up with no valid leads toward terrorism by following any of the individuals that we're following right now who are related to the January 2021 visiting of the National Capital Region. I mean, Sonia, to me, this is such a dramatic illustration of how Anyone can find themselves on this kind of a list because there are people who think, oh, the police state, but, you know, I'm not Trump and I didn't go in the Capitol. It can never happen to me. And what you're saying is it is happening to you. I'm telling you right now it is happening to you. Everything that that we've talked about in this movie in police state is for real people. I mean, none of the air marshals, we didn't want to come forward to have to expose the federal government for doing the wrong thing. We just want to catch bad guys. We want to go after those that hurt America on 9-11 and killed 2,977 innocent people. 
but we're not allowed to do that. So, Dinesh, we've got a small association and we're fighting the federal government to thwart another 9-11, not create one. And right now they've got us in a situation where they're creating a perfect storm for another 9-11. Guys, check out Sonia Labasco and others in the new film, Police State, the website, policestatefilm.net. And Sonia's website, airmarshal, A-I-R-M-A-R-S-H-A-L-N-C.com. Thank you very much, Sonia. really appreciate it. Thank you, Dinesh. God bless. There's a phrase that Larry Elder uses in 2000 Mules, show me the money. And, uh, of course, uh, Larry Elder didn't come up with that phrase. It goes to the film, uh, Jerry Maguire, I guess Cuba Gooding uh, Jr. was the character who uses the phrase, uh, talking to, talking in that film to Tom Cruise. And this has sort of been the media's demand regarding Joe Biden. In other words, it's not enough to show that the Biden family made all this money. It's not enough to show that Joe Biden was in on those meetings, that he was lying about having nothing to do with his family's businesses. Uh, in fact, as we know from uh, Hunter Biden's partner, Joe was the brand uh, that he called into meetings, that he was present at meetings. But nevertheless, Joe Biden himself at one point was like, where is the money? And and the media has, has kind of gone with that. The left wing media, sure, we haven't seen any money going to Joe Biden, except now we have. Uh, Representative James Comer has revealed, um, and not only revealed, but shown the check, the actual check from James Biden, one of the Biden brothers, to Joe Biden for $200,000. Now, the payment, uh, was, uh, has a little memo on the side, which says loan repayment, loan repayment. But by and large, whenever there's corruption involved, there's always some kind of ruse underway. So if there was a real loan, and in fact, it's kind of funny because I've seen so many from uh, so many people, congressmen, leftists on social media, it was a loan, duh. Well, they think it was a loan, duh, because it says loan repayment. And so they're they're acting dumb here. They're acting like, oh, it says loan repayment. So it obviously was a loan. Well, where's the original loan? Uh, Joe Biden supposedly loaned $200,000 to his brother, James Biden, and James was paying it back, except there's no evidence that Joe Biden ever loaned $200,000 to his brother for any reason at all. So we're going to wait to see if Joe Biden produces the original payment uh, and not to mention the IOU that that kind of memorializes this loan that supposedly James Biden was was uh, paying back to Joe Biden seemingly without without interest. But but the fact of the matter is that, and this is where Representative Comer is sort of on track, is that the payment occurs in 2018, right after James Biden receives, guess what, $200,000 from his influence peddling with a company called AmeriCorps. So AmeriCorps apparently was had hired James Biden. James Biden was supposed to deliver the goods. What goods does James Biden have to deliver? None, except Joe Biden. Uh, and uh, AmeriCorps pays James Biden a fee of $200,000. And right after that, James Biden turns around and writes a check for that exact same sum to his brother, Joe Biden. So think about it. it. Makes sense. America is buying Joe Biden's influence. Joe Biden naturally wants the money. 
James Biden is the go-between, the whole thing makes perfect sense. In fact, I see here from Jonathan Turley's column that the check that James wrote to Joe Biden was on the very same day that he received the other $200,000. So this is a case where the media is now in a very awkward spot because we have Joe Biden getting the money. Now, uh Turley goes on to say, Despite the fact that you now have Joe Biden getting the money, you have a labyrinth of shell companies, all the different Biden family members cashing in left and right. And by the way, to prove bribery, you don't have to prove that the money went to Joe Biden. You simply have to prove that his family got it because family getting it is a benefit. Imagine if, for example, I were to take bribes from somebody and the money goes to Debbie or the money goes to Danielle, the money goes to family members, but not to me. I'm like, I didn't get a bribe. But no, you did get a bribe because a family benefit is a benefit to you. And that's been established a long tradition of law establishing this. What Jonathan Turley says is that he just thinks the media is going to try to move the goalposts once again. Well, where do you move the goalposts to at this point? Because now you got Joe with the money. So now they're going to have to say... Even if Joe gets the money, that doesn't show that there needs to be further investigation. It doesn't show that he needs to be impeached. Uh, we actually now want to see a check to Joe Biden that is not marked loan repayment, even if there wasn't any underlying loan. We need something like here is a bribe and we need some Chinese guy's name on the check or some Ukrainian guy's name on the check. And if you don't have that, then so in other words, you can see what's going on here. They want to protect Biden. And what the, what they're doing is shifting the standard. It becomes, I mean, and, and, and in the end, I suppose you, you don't have any standard at all. You basically goes, well, yeah, he got these payments. And so what? He's still the guy that we want to have in the White House. And that's when really all the justifications, all the rationalizations break down. And what people are saying, in effect, or what the left is saying and the Democrats are saying, we're absolutely, absolutely okay with having a mafia crook in the White House. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. All right, welcome to the Carl Jackson Show podcast. We've got a great show for you today, a great guest. 
uh, lined up for you today. You know this man. He actually needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway because we're going to be talking about his latest film uh, that I, I've just watched. I haven't even seen all of it, to be frank with you, and uh, it is so well done and put together. I'm hoping tons of you will go out to see it and invite your friends. It's called Police State. You can find it at policestatefilm.net, policestatefilm.net, policestatefilm.net. Uh, it'll be launching on October 23rd and 25th. Dinesh D'Souza, welcome back to the Carl Jackson Show podcast. Hey, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Dinesh, listen, uh, first, let, let me let me ask you this. Will you describe what a police state is for, for the listening audience? Certainly. Um, we've had um, police states around the world, and there are some of them now. Places like North Korea, China... Cuba, Venezuela, and of course the old Soviet Union. And if you look at these places, unfree societies, tyrannical societies, you see certain common elements. One of them is uh, mass surveillance of the citizens. They keep an eye on you. Number two, uh, systematic censorship. Uh, number three, these police states tend to be one-party states which means that they doesn't mean they have no opposition. It doesn't even mean they have no elections. China has elections and Iran has elections, but it's always a controlled opposition. They structure the election so that there's no effective opposition. Police states also tend to criminalize dissent. They tend to target religion, religious believers. Uh, so they shut down religious freedom. They have political prisoners. And so that's just, you know, those are some defining characteristics of police states. And it's with some alarm, and I say this as an immigrant to the United States, um, it's with some alarm that I realize that many, if not all of these elements, are now to some degree or another present right here in the United States. And that means we are moving toward a police state. I'm not saying we're a full-fledged police state, but at this pace, we will get there pretty quickly. You know, Dinesh, it's, uh, I, I'm thinking back to the COVID lockdowns, frankly, and how many people seem to bow down to those without without question. I'm, I'm a you know I'm a believer. I know you are as well. But even in the in the Christian community, I, I got to be honest with you. I was so shocked. I was shocked and disappointed. I mean, to see. Uh, to see people bow down, uh, bow down in the way that they did, especially people of faith. And the reason why I say that, you talked about one of the elements of the police state being uh, the systematic censorship. But one of the things that I saw was self-censorship and continue to see. So I, my, my concern is that many Americans, frankly, Dinesh, I, I'm not even sure that they can discern what a police state is. Well, it's important to realize that our police state is um, camouflaged. And by that, I mean it marches behind the banner of saving democracy, upholding right. the law, promoting truth and fighting misinformation. It even claims to be advancing freedom. So, so what happens is uh, in, in other police states, it's really blatant. Uh, Solzhenitsyn describes in the Gulag Archipelago, which I'm talking about on my podcast, they just come for you, they catch you on the train, they tie you up, they pull you off the train, they don't give you any explanation, they don't need to give you any explanation because the police state is fully established. They just do what they want. Our police state has to run a lot of pretense. 
and so as a result, a lot of Americans are taken in. Uh, they were particularly taken in by COVID because we're not used to distrusting the people in the white coats. And so when they tell you, you know, it's a virus, nothing we can do about it. We've all got to really take these measures. Now, your suspicions may be raised. Wait a minute. If the churches are closed, why are the bars open? You know, so people were raising <laughs> questions about the selective way in which certain liberties were shut down, but other things were not shut down. And yeah. I, I think that has created an increasing skepticism. But now, I mean, now I think we know that agencies that we previously trusted pretty unreflexively uh, are, uh, have become corrupted and are very susceptible to ideological manipulation. And I think this is one of, one of the reasons that I appreciate this film, because I do believe that uh, many more people are waking uh, up, Dinesh. And I know you were uh, you were quite frankly a victim of the uh, of the police state, and uh, in in my opinion, under under uh, former President Barack uh, Barack Obama. Um, but I think a lot of people are starting to wake up, and I think that's why this film is so important for right now. And regardless of how people that are viewing this may feel uh, or not feel about the former president Donald Trump, I think. Uh, that the persecution of the former president has illuminated exactly uh, exactly what seems to be happening within the United States. They see this unfair treatment of this man. I'm a, I, frankly, Dinesh, I love uh, President Trump. I love DeSantis too. I'm, I'm one of these guys where I'm like, listen, frankly, if it's uh, Trump or DeSantis, I'm a happy camper. Uh, but uh, at the same token, you can't help but to look at what they've done to the former president and realize, man. If they can do that to him, imagine what they can do to you, to a regular citizen. It is scary. It is. It is so over the top that you have to be, you know, blind not to see what's going on. Because look, it's one thing if they had said, "All right, we're going to file a single charge against the former president." We realize it's unprecedented, but guess what? You know, he hung on to these really important classified documents. He should have turned them in. He was very stubborn about holding on to them. But but no, when you have 90 plus charges, it's very clear they're using the shotgun approach, which is let's get him on something. If we don't get him in D.C., we'll get him in Georgia. If we can't get him in Georgia, we'll get him in New York. If we can't get him on the criminal side, we'll wreck his businesses. I mean, this is classic police state thuggery. And the fact that it's coming out of not one place, it's not just the Biden DOJ, but it's also the DA in New York and it's the DA yeah. in Georgia. So our police state is a somewhat uh, stretched out operation. I mean, it's at the federal level. There's some of it at the state level. Some of the Soros prosecutors are involved. It's also in the private sector. When you look at censorship, academia is involved. Yeah. The media is involved. The nonprofit organizations are involved. I mean, you know, Carl, that the way this works is that some academic will make a list. We need to censor these, you know, 10,000 people. You may be on the list and me. Uh, and then the academic delivers this to the Biden regime. Then they sort the list based on topic. So Carl <laughs> Jackson is spreading lies about COVID. That goes to the CDC. Dinesh is spreading lies about the election. That goes to the CISA, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Agency. And then what the government does is they don't want to be directly involved in censorship because the Supreme Court might bust them. So they go, okay, let's bring in a middleman. So they have these nonprofit groups, the uh, Stanford Internet Observatory, the so-called Virality Project. Hey guys, you take 
take our list, you deliver it to the digital platforms. That way, when they do the censorship, our grubby hands are not on the list directly. And then the media cheers the whole process. So look at this yeah. like octopus. It's stretching across the public and the private sector. This is why our police state is a, is a real problem. It's, it's not just a matter of winning the 2024 election, although that's critical, but it's also rooting out this tyrannical impulse in so many of our institutions. You know, Dinesh, I want to get your reaction to this, because I said, imagine if this happened to uh, Trump, it could happen to you. But but frankly, it has happened to uh, J6 uh, protesters, quite frankly, a lot of them that have been thrown uh, in in prison for quite some time. I was on a an X space with Enrique Tario and several hundred other people uh, at the time while he was awaiting his transfer to a federal prison. But this guy wasn't even in Washington, uh, D.C. at the time. And, and what I'm getting at here, Dinesh, is what's what's really daunting and also disconcerting to me is this cheering on of the police state by the uh, by the Democrat Party, by the uh, by the political left. It, 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 it's like they don't even understand. They don't even see what's what's going on. And, and my concern is that uh, we're so divided as a result of uh, of uh, this kind of get Trump uh, movement. The Democrats don't see what's what's going on. Uh, and as a result, we stay divided. They actually gain more power and the police state becomes even larger. Well, that's it. We have one party that is building the police state, and that's the left. Now, uh, some of them don't realize it and they just you know, intensely feel this antagonism to Trump. And so as a result, they're a little bit blinded. Others, though, know that they're doing it, but the reason that they are inspired to push forward is that they don't face the risk themselves. So they'll say to me things like, well, Dinesh, you know, well, I mean, I'm not being censored and the sure. FBI is never going to come to my door. And I go, well, that's true, but at least that's true right now. When, when the police state is full-fledged, then no one is safe. But while you're building the police state, the party that is involved in that under construction is, is safe, temporarily safe. And, um, and so some point. of these people have learned to enjoy the benefits of tyranny. I mean, let's remember going back to slavery and so on. There's a certain benefit to tyranny. It's really nice to get other people to work for you for free. And so uh, the political equivalent of that now is the Democrats get to use the, the process of law to torment their political opposition. And some of them are really enjoying it. You know, uh, man, that's such a great point, Dinesh. Uh, one of the things that my wife, were, uh, wife and I were actually sitting and talking about uh, just before I came into the, the studio here, we were watching uh, your uh, your film. And guys, please check out the film, policestatefilm.net, policestatefilm.net. It has two dates, uh, which you can order or see it. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dinesh. Uh, October 23rd and October 25th. We want as many people as possible. Take a friend to see it. E even if they hate, I don't know, even if they hate you, <laughs> even if they hate Trump, if they hate Republicans, tell them you'll treat them to a meal afterwards and just have a discussion about this stuff for God's sakes that uh, Lord willing, it, it'll uh, it, it'll open their eyes. This stuff started, Dinesh, with uh, actually that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about where where did this stuff get started? You talked about you mentioned Ruby Ridge and also my wife and I, we were having a conversation because we felt like we looked at Alberto Gonzalez. I think he was the uh, AG under uh, George W. Bush at the time. I don't know what his intentions were, you know, at the time. Bob Mueller, I suspect Bob Mueller was corrupt for corrupted for a long time. I could be wrong. I don't really know his intentions from the onset. 
But it feels so disgusting to sit there and watch these people that we used to root for, frankly, Dinesh, and just like, oh my God, these guys were were were, were they corrupt? Were they in were the did they have good intentions in your opinion? And they just went astray. What what's your take on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And uh, let me just say a word about the movie, and then I'll, I'll pivot to the question. Sure. The, the movie, we've bought out hundreds of theaters on two days, October 23rd and 25th. But the tickets are only on the website, which is policestatefilm.net. You can't buy them in Fandango. You can't go to the theater. Hey, I want to get buy my ticket here. You can't do that. So go to the website, policestatefilm.net. Now, if you can't make it to the theater because it's, oh, the theater's 30 miles away, or, gee, I can't go those two days... No problem. On Friday, October 27th, we have a virtual premiere, which kind of watch from home. And it's a, we'll screen the film. And we also have a live Q&A with Dan Bongino and me to follow. So all that's for the price of a movie ticket. And again, the tickets for that also, policestatefilm.net. Now, coming to your question, you know, the sad truth is that it was after 9-11 that, again, as a result of fear, think of it, COVID and now 9-11, the fear causes a lot of people, me included, to say, all right, you know, we, we don't just want to go after these bad guys after they do their thing. We need to stop them from doing it before they do it. So we have to give this expanded, let's call it police power, surveillance power to the police agencies of the government. But of course, our intention was that they would use that power against foreign terrorists, uh, the kind of guys like the Hamas guys, for example, who did what they just did. But instead, I think under starting under Obama, the Democrats realized we've got these powers. Now, listen, what about if we were to deploy them against our political opposition. So this is a really good warning for us because the police state has a bipartisan origin. A lot of Bush Republicans <laughs> were like, yeah, we got to sure. do this, you know, a little bit less freedom maybe, but we, we're going to buy some more security, never dreaming that the, that essentially the, the, the under the Biden regime, they would turn around and say, hey, Dinesh, when we think of people like ISIS and Al-Qaeda, we think of you, <laughs> you know, it, Trump Republicans are now accused of being terrorists. I mean, and the disproportion of it. I mean, think about it. Has there anybody in the Trump movement who has done what Hamas did? Has there anyone in the Trump movement done what Al Qaeda did? No. Or ISIS beheaded anybody? No. So the preposterous and, and the key to the police state is to uh, observe the formulas of law. Even in my campaign finance case, you know, a trivial violation, normally I'd get a fine and a, maybe a hundred hours of community service but they deploy the full force of the government against me. So a lot of times the injustice is not, uh, they, they find something you did. They find some technical violation. Hey, Carl, you filed your taxes late and so on. Okay, but you don't expect to go to prison for five years for doing that. So sure. what they do is they unleash the system against you pressure you through legal bludgeoning to take a plea bargain. And when you take a plea bargain, they go, see, he admits he did it. You know, he admits yep. he's a convict. Uh, yep. And the idea is to discredit you from that moment on. So that's how they work. Yeah. I, well, I, I honestly, I think they mess with the wrong person when, when they mess with you because you have doing, you have been doing God's work. You were doing God's work before, but you're definitely uh, doing it now and bringing attention to this, this threat that, it, that will take down uh, if we uh, if, if we don't get in front of this thing that will take down the greatest country uh, that God has ever given man. Uh, just a few more questions uh, for you, Dinesh. We've seen, uh, you know, at the Patriot Act, you, we, we, you, you, you touch you touched on that. You, you know what concerns me? I'm like, I don't even hear Republicans, frankly, in office talking about, listen, 
this thing, the, the time has gone and went for the Patriot Act. It's like you said, it's like this bipartisan police state uh, at this point. It, does it does it shock you that we hear so little about abolishing the Patriot Act at this point when we all know better? I mean, the Republicans are a little too timid and invertebrate here. And this is why this movie is intended to stiffen their spine. Because the problem with the Patriot Act is not even quite what we think. It's not the obvious problem that the the surveillance power is too expansive and that too many people are being are on watch lists and so on. The real problem is that the government has gone from okay. tracking down offenses that are committed or being plotted to literally manufacturing terrorism. And, and they're doing that not only with the Muslims, but they're also doing that now with the MAGA Republicans. We saw it yeah. in the Whitmer kidnapping case. You've got, you know, a bunch of losers who are just really mad about COVID, mad at Gretchen Whitmer. But what the FBI did is it cooked up a scheme. Hey, guys, what about if we kidnap her? Uh, what about if we grab her? You know, let's, and then these guys are like, yeah, great idea, but we don't know how to do that, man. They're like, okay, well, listen, how about if we set up meetings? We're going to train you in firearms. What about if we drive you to her vacation home so you can kind of do surveillance? And, and, and there are more FBI agents and informants involved than there are so-called criminals. So, so what I'm getting at is this is really bad stuff. And by the way, sadly, it started with the Muslims because the FBI and these, the other police agencies, by the way, not just FBI. FBI, the DHS, the Homeland Security Department, is more sure. than 10 times bigger than the FBI. All these people have massive budgets. So they were like, we had 9-11, you know, we expected more terrorism, but we're not seeing a whole lot of it. Let's go create some. You know, so then they say, all right, let's find some, these three angry Muslims at NYU, you know, they're, they're like, you know, they're like, yeah, we're ISIS, we hate the United States. So the FBI guys then go and start slipping ideas in their minds. Why don't you join ISIS? No, man, I can't join ISIS. I don't have a passport. How about if we get you a passport? Uh, oh, yeah, really? You can get me a passport? Do you have any weapons? No, man, I don't keep any weapons. Well, listen, how about if we've, you got $1,000, maybe we'll help you to buy a gun. So this is the FBI orchestrating the crime so they can bust them right before it happens. And then the FBI go, we're amazing. Look at this. We just this amazing <laughs> plot, you know, and the ordinary. This is, so Alberto Gonzalez wittingly or unwittingly became a party to this corrupt scheme, um, yeah. which, by the way, fit with the ideological narrative of the Bush administration. So it could be that he was just ideologically motivated, but this is how the corruption has seeped its way into the police agencies of the government. It's a big problem now. You know, and it's important to mention, I think, Dinesh, you have uh, you have both Kyle Serafin and Stephen Friend, both former uh, FBI agents, FBI whistleblowers as well, consulting on this film. I've interviewed uh, both of uh, both of those guys and keep in contact with them. And, and some of the stuff that I learned from them, some uh, some of which you mentioned is absolutely insane. Stephen Friend, for one, uh, was involved in that whole Gretchen Whitmer thing where he literally went to the property to get uh, get these guys, so to speak. And, and, and you can go back and check out my podcast with him. Uh, and he talks about that story. But it is it's it's funny because that was one of my questions uh, to to you, Dinesh. Does the FBI create terrorism in a sense or terrorists? And they do. I, I mean, this this is insane. I, I, I hate to I hate to think of these institutions in this way, but they need to be, in my opinion, Dinesh, they need to be abolished. I, I don't I, I you know, I, I've heard uh, even um, Dan Bongino, who helped uh, produce the uh, the film here, uh, talk about how I, I think it's uh man, I, for, I forget that the Marshall. 
the marshal service that could absorb uh, the good guys in the FBI. I think Kyle Serafin has said as much as the, uh, as much uh, uh, you know uh, as the same. What's your take on that FBI and the DHS? Quite frankly, I I don't see the need for the DHS. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you have a different view on that. Well, the the point you're making, and I, I agree with this completely, is that these institutions have become, uh, there's a lot of corruption that infuses them from top to bottom. Now, the reason it's from top to bottom is not because the ordinary agent is necessarily a bad guy. The way you corrupt an institution is you restructure all the priorities and incentives. And when you do that, you can turn a good person and make them do really bad things. You know, some time ago, I watched an interview with one of the uh, hostage negotiators of the FBI. He's not a real negotiator. He's really a sniper. So that's a disguised term. He's a hostage negotiator. He's there to kill people, right? And he was being brought in at Waco with David Koresh. And the guy interviewing him was like, you know, what did you know about David Koresh before you got there? And this guy goes, nothing. And they go, what do you know about Waco? He goes, nothing. They go, well, you're coming in with, a, with long rifles to kill these people and you don't know anything about them? And this guy goes, listen, I am brought in when the negotiations fail. Basically, the US government tells me there's a bad guy. Your job is to kill him. And I come in and I do that. So this guy defines his job operationally. He's not a bad guy. He's got a family. I'm sure he lives in a nice house. His point is that, that there are other organs of government that decide guilt or innocence. Basically, I'm a sniper. That's what I do. It's kind of like a soldier in war. And so what you have is the FBI, because it's corrupted at the top, it operationalizes what it's doing. It tells, it tells an ordinary agent, hey, listen, there's a 70 year old grandmother living in this apartment. You don't have to worry about whether what she did. That's not your job. Your job is to kick her door in, go inside, grab her by the hair if she resists, pull her to the ground, twist her arms behind her back, put the handcuffs on, pull her down the stairs if she won't come uh, cooperatively, pull her into the street, be kind of nice if the neighbors come out and get a good look at her and gawk. So the, the humiliation, the degradation, and the ordinary guy goes, well, listen, that's basically what the FBI does. This is what we need to do to get a promotion. This is how I get a bonus. This is how I get my pension secured. This is how I'm seen as a good guy who's sort of in line with the priorities of the FBI. So this is how you motivate good people, basically good people, to do some terrible things. Mm. All right, uh, Dinesh, you you mentioned in uh, uh, you mentioned in the film, and and by the way, guys, just so you know, a lot of the victims of the FBI that we've seen lately, besides the fact, uh, besides Trump supporters, J six protest uh, protesters, people of faith, Catholics, you 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 have the story of Mark Houck, uh in the film, parents at school board meetings. For God's sake, these are the enemies of the uh, of the deep state uh, at, uh, at this point, and I can't stand the way Biden constantly uses this term, MAGA Republicans as a pejorative in order to divide Americans. I mean, I hope uh, I hope people really start paying attention to some of their some of their tricks, but a couple of things that you mentioned in the film that I think are very very important. Google the deep state and media working together. Dinesh, I believe the biggest concerns leading up to 2024 besides this police state. I think number 1 is election integrity first and foremost. I think this is the number 2 uh, the number two issue that every American needs to be concerned about. But if you will talk about how Google, the deep state or the police state and the media basically collude together in order to keep this thing going, uh, I, th- I think the audience should hear that. Yeah, with Google, they, you know, they're manipulating the search results. 
And that's a tremendous power because Google is very close to being a monopoly. A couple of other minor search engines, but almost everybody uses Google. That's why I use the verb. Let's Google it, you know, because yep. Google has got that market. And that allows them to control the flow of information. And these people have become megalomaniacal psychos at Google. By that, I mean, once they have that power, and this is really how power intoxicates people. They go, listen, you know, our job is not just to, we're not just running a search engine. Our job is to program human beings and we can program human beings. They say this in their documents. We can program human beings by controlling what they see. Um, and it's, it, you know, so it, it's almost like if you have a government run grocery store and they go, well, listen, we can control the eating habits of all people by putting stuff on the shelf at eye level. And this is what they see. And this is what they feel they're going to have to eat. So this is what Google is doing. Uh, the other thing about the media that to me is fascinating. And I think one of the things about the film is that it, it shows you the machinations of the police state. In other words, it shows you how this stuff really works. And it doesn't necessarily work by open kind of collusion or conspiracy. Because think about the, the journalists who suppressed the Hunter Biden story. Thousands of them. They work for hundreds of news organizations. And they don't get on a Zoom call every morning and go, hey, let's all suppress the Hunter Biden story. So how is it possible for thousands of people to achieve right. the same result? without speaking to each other. Well, the answer is they're sort of like birds in a flying formation going to Florida. And you're like, these birds aren't talking. They aren't, they don't, they don't have walkie talkies, but they're still flying together and in the same direction yeah. and side by side. And it's because each bird is sort of taking signals, maybe from the bird on your right, you know? And so similarly here, there is a uh, common cause on the part of the media, and that is to advance the Democrats and the left and to go after. So this is really why we have all these double standards that we're always pointing out. From the point of view of the police state, it's not a double standard. The police state always protects the people who are building the police state, and it goes after the people who are a threat to the police state. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I just, it, one of my last questions here, BLM and Antifa, uh, you had, I forget the founder of Revolver News, I forget his Darren name. Darren Beatty. Um, Darren Beatty, thank you. Um, we saw we saw the the, the rioting, the, the the death, the violence. I mean, the, the burning down buildings, all this kind of nonsense. Uh, fighting against the FBI, we saw that complete anarchy. They're not touched. They're not touched. When it comes to Republicans, when it comes to Trump supporters, you better not get in the way of the police state. So I just, I, I mean, just kind of, you guys put that together so well in the film. And I just wanted to segue off of that point. If you want to uh, uh, comment on that. Yeah. The, um, I think in, in all these things, what I try to do is to advance the debate by going beyond the current state of the argument. So the current state of the argument is to focus on the double standard. Hey, wait a minute. You're going after Trump, but you're not going after Biden. You're going after the January 6th protesters, but you're not going after Antifa and BLM. But the point that Darren Beatty brings out in the film is he goes, we have a very weird type of police state because normally police states have zero crime, right? I mean, if you go to China, you go on the subway and you start punching some guy in the subway, a bunch of, you know, uh, cops will show up and you'll never be heard from again. So police states normally guarantee the citizens, listen, you don't have any freedom, but you do have law and order because we are ready to kick the butts of anybody who tries this kind of rampant criminality. So police states generally give you low crime and clean subways, uh, even though they take away all your other freedoms. Uh, interestingly, our police state doesn't even give you 
you that. Uh, our police state doesn't give you, Darren Beatty says, even the benefits of tyranny, right? Our police state gives you, on the one hand, they're smashing your First Amendment rights, your Second Amendment rights, they're preventing freedom of assembly, they're not giving you equal justice under the law, and you've got rampant criminality, and the police state doesn't pay any attention to that. They're focused on political criminals. You know, in other words, they want, they'd rather get me than some guy who's like, you know, doing drive-by shootings in Chicago. So why is that? How do you explain why a police state would do that? And, and the answer is that the police state, while it's being built, while it's under construction, it actually has constituencies. So illegals are a constituency of the police state. They're like, <laughs> you know, come on in, because if we get 20, yeah. 30 million more of you, we're going to yeah. have a permanent majority in the United States, and that's how we get to build the police state. So the police state is cultivating its own constituencies. I mean, it's really a remarkable thing to see. And I think what people who leave this film will not only be intellectually enlightened, but emotionally riveted. And and so it's fun to see it in the theater if you can. I make these films for the theater. They're very cinematic. And it's fun also to go with people. So if you go with your family or your friends or your church group or your conservative group or Republican group, it's a good way to see it. And that's why it's in the theater October 23rd and 25th. But on October 27th, as I mentioned, you can watch at home our virtual premiere and uh, and that will be terrific, too. We're doing it out of this fabulous studio in Las Vegas. And we'll have, in fact, Forgiato Blow, who wrote the, the the closing theme song called Police State Survivor. He's going to perform it live. Then we cool. show the movie. Then the live Q&A with Bongino. So it's going to be like a great night at home. And uh, and it's all for the price of a movie ticket. Man, Dinesh, you're getting better and better at this stuff every every time you make a production and you're doing a doing a great job. Let me just say this last thing. I wanted to uh, touch on something you said about Google. When when I first started becoming active in the political realm, one of the things that I did was I volunteered for uh, Glenn Beck doing research uh, as a virtual researcher for for Glenn Beck. And I can tell you researching then compared to now is night and day. It was when uh, Glenn Beck was on this George Soros just binge, if you will. And I mean, the, you you could Google stuff and you would get so much stuff that pops up. You you try that today. You have to do literally five times, maybe 10 times in some occasions, the work, have a specific name, a title, so on, et cetera, to get the same information. And the and Google is absolutely geared against conservatives. Uh, so I, I'm so glad you've done this film. Uh, I mean, all of this stuff he touches on, guys, if you want, even if you want your eyes to be open, stuff you did not uh, expect, understand, grasp clearly when it comes to the police state, this film will help you do it. Make sure you get it. PoliceStateFilm.net. 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 October 23rd and October 25th. And if you want to just chill at your house, October 27th. And uh, you get a Q&A, right, with you and Dan Bongino, Dinesh? Yeah, because gonna... it's fun afterward. The cool thing about the uh, virtual premiere is it's sort of like a massive Zoom call. Everybody, we, we had 80,000 people uh, watch in the virtual premiere for 2,000 Mules, my last film. So you kind of, you're all in it, you're watching the film, and then you get to, uh, you get to put in your, type in your question um, if you like, and then we answer live. So it's kind of a very interesting uh, way of using new technology to be able to see this film. And, and, and this is the first time the film will be aired nationwide because 
because although we have a lot of theaters, we're not in every single nook and cranny in the country. So people could say, you know, the theater may be kind of far from me. I can't make it to the theater. Okay, no problem. Set aside next Friday, October 27th. Watch at home. You'll be you'll be glad you did. All right. Well, Dinesh, if you'll just stay up with us so we make sure we don't lose you. Uh, guys, I want to uh, please encourage you to go out and see the film by Dinesh D'Souza. I also produced... Uh, 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 by uh, Dan Bongino, PoliceStateFilm.net. Make sure you check it out. Uh, make sure, make sure you share it. We want this thing to, uh, I mean, have a major audience because we, we we want America restored. I mean, it is as simple as that. And a lot of people may not quite grasp what's going on, what they see, but, but uh, you know, in front of their eyes, maybe they haven't put the puzzle together. This this film will help them do just that. Uh, guys, please also support this podcast everywhere you go uh, to get your podcast. Please subscribe to the Carl Jackson Show podcast. Subscribe to Dinesh D'Souza's podcast. Obviously, uh, you're going to love listening uh, listening to him. So please do that wherever you go to get your podcast. Also, this show is brought to you by MyPillow.com. you got a patriot in Mike Lindell. I mean, you're talking about an American patriot, American jobs, American manufacturing. Use the promo code CARL and you have a plethora of deals available uh, some over 60% off in some cases. MyPillow.com, 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Just use my name, Carl, uh, at MyPillow.com, Radio Podcast Square, or give them a call, 800-858-0263. Uh, and Dinesh D'Souza, the same thing. Check out his podcast. Guys, until next time, do not grow weary doing good. God bless you. Go check out the film, PoliceStateFilm.net. Thank you so much, Dinesh D'Souza. I appreciate you, man.